Hi, this is attorney Maytal Manzuri. And I'm attorney Alexa Steinberg. And together, we're Legally Blunt. Hey, Alexa. Hello, Maytal. We're going to jump into our interview with Amanda Chicago Lewis, BuzzFeed journalist. Hey, Amanda. You are a reporter, a journalist. Is there a difference? There's no difference. There's no difference. And you cover mostly cannabis, correct? I cover mostly cannabis. So you came from New York, you got you got involved in this industry, and how long have you been writing on cannabis? I wasn't covering it really consistently until about 2013, but it's always was something I was covering because it's a big part of life in this city, and it's a big part of my life, and it's something I pay a lot of attention to. So when I was freelancing for LA Weekly, I think they sort of noticed over time that I paid more attention to what was going on with pot than other people, and I seemed to know a little bit more. So, you know, eventually they gave me sort of like a regular column and like newsletter about marijuana, and then that ultimately led to this job. Well, as a journalist or reporter, I want to ask, you're dealing in an industry where people are generally a little bit guarded about the information they're going to divulge. Most people you speak with are probably violating at least one crime, the federal crime of Marijuana Controlled Substances Act, probably a local ordinance that is banning marijuana cultivation or sales. So by talking to you, they could be incriminating themselves. Yeah, absolutely. I have like a personal code that I abide by that's like partly influenced by BuzzFeed's like ethics guidelines. Uh But like I have a personal code. Right. You hear about reporters who will just kind of like, gotcha, you know, whatever. Right. But so I think like because I've been covering the same industry for several years and because I like intend to keep covering this industry, it's very important to me that, you know, my sources and the people I talk to trust me and understand where I'm coming from and understand why I'm writing about the industry and like what I'm sort of trying to achieve overall. So do you find that you have to like kind of gain their trust before they'll talk to you? Oh yeah, absolutely. So there's like a couple different ways I could gain somebody's trust, usually just by um, talking to them for a couple of minutes. Sometimes people, you know, hear where I'm coming from and the fact that I smoke weed and that I care a lot about you know, how we're legalizing and what the industry is going to look like. Have they ever asked you to smoke with them? Oh, 100%. That was the second thing I was going to say. Like, once you smoke weed with somebody, I mean, first It's a bond. Yeah, just like socially, (laughs) that's a bond, even if you're not trying to like, you know, get them to understand that you are trustworthy. But once you smoke weed with somebody, you know, I think they're like, oh, you do smoke, like, you do dab, like, you do vape, whatever. You like get an initiation. It. You're not just like somebody who's, you know, thinks smokers are like lazy, like, you know, bad people or like criminals or things like that. But even like smoking weed can be persuasive if you do that with somebody. But I think even more persuasive is when they get an endorsement from like someone they already trust, like a oh, friend. So like, which is another reason why I try to be so consistent and like honest throughout the whole process with people. It's so that after something comes out, not only can I like go back to them and work with them again, but they will tell their friend, you know, oh, she's a good one. You know, I mean, like my general policy is like everything is off the record unless I and you visibly see me taking notes mm-hmm. or I have asked you, can I record the conversation? Or if you're delivering some sort of public address. Yeah, because I was at the event and I had yeah. people come up to me and say, 
did you know that Amanda was recording this? Yeah. And he <laughs> was like, yes, well, right, we're in right, public. Right, exactly, exactly. But, like, you know, if someone's having a conversation with me at a party or if, like, someone, you know, I have lunch with people all the time off the record. And I think it's really important to understand what's happening off the record so I know what to write about because if people only ever talked to me on the record I would know nothing well that actually happened when we first got together because we met at, do you remember this election yeah, yeah we, we met, met at women's grow we met yeah. at women's grow and then yes. we got together um and we had lunch and you yes. were taking notes and I'm a lawyer so I take notes all the time yeah but then at some point you said oh just so you know I would never put you on the record yeah and then I thought oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> I remember Maytel's face kind of turned white because she was like I have no idea what I just said <laughs> what right. about, I can't remember what I just said like right. I now I, know. I mean, no, obviously, yes. Yeah. About like, there's a BuzzFeed policy called no surprises, which is basically before something comes out, you give someone a call, you give them a heads up to let them know what's going to be in the story, and especially like that's the last chance for somebody to have argue down the language or argue down, you know, what's been said about them or defend themselves or things like that. So I'm, you know, very consistent, like, okay, this conversation was on the record. Okay, I'm using it in this story. Okay, the day before a story comes out, like, I'm going to tell you what's in it and read you the passage. And if you want to argue with me over language, we can do that. Um, and don't so, you have, like, an anecdote of... I do. I yeah. do have an anecdote. Please tell me. <laughs> I'm dying to hear it. So, like, the best example, I think, of, like, how these relationships generally go is, like, my relationship with Hezekiah Allen, right, who runs California Growers Association. Hezekiah is, like, a third-generation farmer from Humboldt, and he's, like, a lobbyist in Sacramento who, like, communicates with lawmakers on behalf of marijuana business owners. So he's in a lot of, like, important rooms, and he's, like, someone I touch base with sometimes. In the story, I actually, like, describe him physically, and I say (laughs) that he's, I think it was, like, he's tall and thick with hair the color of a camel. And I just, like, that, I was, like, you know, it's one thing to talk about policy or, like, what he had said and, like, you know, interviews or at events, but it was another thing to like sort of describe someone physically. And you had to check if that was. I just place. was like, I'm just also going to include this in the text. So I like texted him and I was like, just FYI, I also describe you physically in these words. And he was like, LOL, really? And I was like, camel emoji, like smiley face. And he was like, okay, that's fine. You know, and that's something that's like, you know, I would be shocked if he was like extremely upset or defensive about that, but that's just part of the sort of whole ethos. It's like, I'm never going to like, pull the rug out from someone or, like, surprise them. Well, it's funny because you're a news reporter, a national reporter, but you don't – it's not like, oh, breaking news, this is what happened. It's like you're going to take time to develop – like, your most recent story. I think that we talked to you about – how long did it take you to write that story? The race story? Yeah. I started – really actively working on that in August and it came out in March. Yes, yeah, so, so you like were and you so it sounds like you've kind of created your own kind of angle on yeah. what you're going to be reporting I mean, which is on super it's cool. wonderful because I'm extremely lucky to have like an actual journalism job with like medical benefits and like an expense account and like the ability to talk to, you know, whoever I want and I feel like I've just sort of was, I mean, and you I, get to do so much fun stuff. I mean, every event, Alexa, every no, event. every event is so much fun. And, and Amanda joins us at all of them. You know, we send an invite her way. She's like, oh, I'm there with time. But um, Someone actually called me a weed socialite recently. It's totally true. I thought true. that was, like, very accurate. But it's it also, is. Like, it's it partially is. because I feel very, like, involved in the industry. And I, like, love this industry. And it's so fun. And the people who are involved in it, a lot of the people who are involved in it are wonderful, cool people. But it's also just because... 
this is the only way for me to keep up with like what's going on and like see people and you know check in on like what's going on with things you know I don't I do take people to lunch I do go to drinks with people I do go to dinner with people I do like sometimes visit people at their offices but like for the most part I mean I get some of my best sources and my best stories at parties. most important thing really is figuring out how to make MAMRSA the like MAMRSA MMRSA medical marijuana regulation safety act. right let's get regulations organized around medical and try to get as much of the black and gray market over to the legal regulated tax market as possible and then sure we can talk about like legalizing adult use etc but like we all know that adult use is already essentially legalized under medical as it exists now so like with the boundary of you have to go to a doctor and get you have to go to like a fake doctor which some people um some people don't do right 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 a lot there are there are there is a population of people who feel uncomfortable going into dispensaries now who will go into dispensaries once they are recreational use that's true but like just on a policy level on like an economics level you know on a just like let's be practical and make sense like if we don't get medical organized like why even bother worrying about recreational because medical already essentially is recreational can we talk about seed to sale for a second yes okay please seed to sale or as california is calling it track and trace Mm -hmm. so this is the notion that one can completely track and keep organized every bit of weed from planting it in the ground to selling it in the shop. Do we say good luck with that? This is a fictional, this is like a fictional goal. This is like not a real thing that can be achieved. It is not being achieved in Colorado. It is not being achieved in Washington. It will never be achieved in California. Like if we want seed to sale, if we want track and trace, we need to have banking. And obviously, you know, California doesn't have control over that. But like the closest thing we can have is banking or not have this like piecemeal one state at a time legalizing. But like whenever someone talks about seed to sale or track and trace and like I know all the companies that are doing it, it's like, oh, well, this is like the least bad of all the companies, but it's still really wrong and bad. And it's like this. What do you mean? What do you mean the companies? When you say the companies, the least bad. Like the things that are being offered and like the contracts that are being given. For the service of seed to sale? Like the software? The software and like the equipment and other things like that. Like, all of, like, there does not exist, and I can't imagine how there ever could exist, a system that actually works. Because of the banking? Well, I mean, partly, but I think also partly because of the banking. Partly because, you know, as long as, like, Idaho doesn't have legal weed, there's going to be incentive for people in California to ship to Idaho. But, like, because weed is a plant, not, like, an industrial, not like an industrial factory, pharmaceutical machine, pills pressed situation. You know, she's pressing pills. I'm in pressing her hands. pills in my hands. <laughs> you can't see her. I'm doing the like, what is that, <laughs> Mister Rogers, and like reading Rainbow when they show you factories. It's um, <laughs> yeah, always like my favorite, my favorite episodes. Because like such a stoner, like how it's made. The one with the kids. I know. Which is outrageous. But like, like you're right. But, but like proportionately in terms of like yeah. where the market is and where yeah. the industry is, like if Los Angeles doesn't get figured out, the whole 
of Mimursa is like not gonna work. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, I don't know. Why I'm laughing. It's really not funny. It's not funny. <laughs> it's really not funny. It's awful. It's, it's really not scary. funny. Which is why that's our mission in life for the next two years is yep. to get Los Angeles figured out. That's why I like don't know when I'm writing about it, but I like show up to a bunch of meetings, like obsessively talk to people, and record speeches, even though I don't know when I'm gonna use them. <laughs> Eventually, I will use them. I yeah. I shouldn't say this. I'm gonna say it. I recorded it conversation with a police officer recently <laughs> <laughs> because in, in some kind of information gathering mission in order to show because it's a police officer up north who was like so chill and so cool which county sacramento okay and he was like thank god for regulations now i know where to go and what i can do and what yeah. i can't do yeah and i'm like can i just please take you transplant you to lapd so you oh can explain god. to them you know like what the deal is he was awesome yeah right well but, no i mean the problem the biggest problem with lapd is that they use the marijuana industry as like their like bank account they just like move it and they're like we'll take a bunch of this cash you probably can't ask any questions bye yeah we see that all the time. Yeah. I had, yeah. you know, I have clients who are arrested, 15 grand, 20 grand taken, charges never filed, yeah. questions never asked. Yeah. What happens to that money? I honestly don't know. Like, that's for another. I, yeah. We I'm should, not so we sure. We should podcast that. I think we've covered such an exciting array of marijuana topics. Why, why did you choose cannabis? Did we already cover that? Or did cannabis choose me? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I've been smoking cannabis since I was like 13 or 14. Um, And I, you know, like, you know, by by the time I was in mid-late high school, it was pretty clear to me that I was more attracted to weed than I was to alcohol. And that. Hold on. let's, Let's break up a myth here. Yeah. Did you graduate high school? Yes. Did you go to college? I did go to college. Where did you go to college? I went to Yale. You went to Yale did you really? and you smoke weed? Did you not know that? You did know that. I you were setting me up. Okay. Hold on. I didn't know you I went to you Yale. I thought you went to Columbia. I thought you went to Columbia. <laughs> you went up to me with, because I didn't even go to your website before you came, I remember. <laughs> but I was like, I know she's smart. She's from New York. She probably went to Columbia. That's what I thought. But you went to Yale. So you smoke weed. So it didn't make you schizophrenic. It and didn't. It and does. you actually have a degree. I do have there a degree. There we go, ladies and gentlemen. A degree from Yale. Yes. And I, I definitely a had a, a, a pothead reputation at Yale. In fact, I can remember when I was a freshman at Yale, I had a friend from high school, or several friends from high school, who also came to Yale with me, but a good friend from high school who I'm still friends with today, and she called me, like, like halfway through freshman year. Because, you know, we were friends. We were doing our thing, making our own groups of friends, not spending too much time together. She called me, and she was like, hey, I just want to... She's, like, a wonderful friend of mine, and she was like, I just want to give you heads up in case this is something that like would concern you but like you're getting a little bit of a reputation as a pothead <laughs> oh my gosh i have a reputation in law school and i was like i was like well i i see why and she was like okay as long as it's not going to upset you and i was like no i feel fine about that i'm gonna like friends own, protecting the reputation my reputation she's like great love you bye like so it was like you know <laughs> And now, That's great. And now, you know, and she, now she's a lawyer. And now, <laughs> and now she's, she's a lawyer. lawyer. Yes. Like a tree fell on my car, and so my car was in the shop. 
And so oh I was borrowing gosh. my friend's car. Yeah. And in my friend's car's license plate, it's like 5DEA and then like some number. Oh. <laughs> and so like we were like going back to the garage, the like parking garage. We were going to like smoke a joint after we have lunch. And the guys, like the distributor and his son-in-law like saw that my car had like DEA in the license plate. And they were like, why is there DEA in your license plate? I was like, it's not even my car, it's my friend's car, but like, I promise I'm not in the DEA. And also, like, it's nobody, also, like nobody in the DEA is going to have a license plate. It's DEA. It's like, that's the trick. It's like all the people that think that, like, if you're like, if I ask you if you're a cop, you have to say that you are a cop. Like, oh that's gosh. the rule. Like, that's that's not a rule. That's like, not a that's rule. That's so funny that people think that's, that's a rule. That's great. But, like, the biggest concern, I think the biggest concern in the industry is banking. I feel like the industry is going to have a lot of trouble being legitimate without banking. And it's so unsafe that we're like forcing people um, to only operate in cash or we're creating, we're not even forcing everybody to operate in cash. We're forcing the situation where it's like, if you know the right person and you know how to get in, you can get like a secret bank account and like blah, 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 blah. But like banking should just be available. One, two, like in terms of, um, you know, accounting for how the war on drugs was enforced there should not be laws restricting people with drug felonies specifically from participating in the market that makes no sense like i see how maybe Mm -hmm. a criminal record should be reviewed or something well i just argued this point with another lawyer because we were trying to come up with a law for los angeles and he had included in there you know what's included in mmrsa right um yeah yeah. but sans the language you know how you can rehabilitate yourself and i said you know that you like prove you've been rehabilitated which is like a very racially coded thing well, it's difficult to, I mean, you have to go in front of a judge. That means you need a lawyer, you right. need paperwork, you need right. this, you right. need that. So, I mean, I'm okay with, if you have a drug offense for something other than cannabis, maybe let's pause. Yeah. But can you're trying to get involved in the cannabis industry and you have a cannabis conviction. Right. That's really ironic and unfair. The restrictions also in um, the Sean Parker initiative um, oh, Sean Parker, that's the Adult Use and Marijuana Act, which may be probably recreational. In terms of, like, social justice-related, like, felony restrictions, that those are very smart restrictions. Basically, it's not only cannabis. It's also, like, all possession. It's, like, um, it's very complicated. They're, like, the specific drugs and mandatory minimum that's perfect. things that would trigger a review. Yeah. But, like, all these other things, is like, any possession okay. felony is, would not trigger so a review. So, in closing, recreational... Yes or no? Okay. First of all, you can't. Can you endorse? I don't know if you can endorse. No, I totally can't endorse. Oh. I can't have political opinions. Oh right. <laughs> but like, the key, the other really, really key thing, in addition to the other things I just said, is like, we need to make the barriers to entry such that as much of the black and gray market as possible has incentive to join the legal market, and like. That's where LA and Sacramento are and like on totally different pages. Like we need to make it easy for anyone who wants to participate in the legal market to make the transition. Oh, you mean don't over. tax them at a seventy percent rate? Yeah. Certainly to <laughs> like a, something like that. Something ridiculous, you know, extreme licensing costs are ridiculous. You know, needing to have a million dollars in escrow, like those are things that are ridiculous. Yeah. Also, like instead of getting people who have drug felonies, then you're just getting like sketchy Wall Street people who do like you know, bad people moving money around. Like, there are all kinds of sketchy people in the world. You know, not all of them are are drug felons. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Where can our listeners find you? They can find me on Twitter, which I occasionally use, which is at MS Amanda Lewis, as in 
is Amanda Lewis. <laughs> uh, my BuzzFeed stuff is at buzzfeed.com backslash Amanda Chicago Lewis. Um, I'm on Instagram at Amanda Chicago Lewis. If you sign up for my uh, newsletter, I'll, I send out an email every time I publish a big story. Oh, great. So it's like tinyletter.com backslash Amanda Chicago Lewis. Tinyletter.com. Yeah. Thank you. I love that. We can also be found, a little bit of a shameless plug, on Facebook under Manzuri Law and on Instagram and Twitter at 420 Attorneys. There you go. You're listening to Legally Blunt, a Manzuri Law podcast, navigating the weeds of cannabis justice. We'll see you tonight at a special secret event. Hopefully. Yes. Yes. And maybe we'll take a photo. We'll we'll take a photo. You know. Hot juices. Hot juices. (laughs) Why don't you be just the theme song for your podcast? Hot juices. Smoking weed.